0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the National Fire Radio podcast where we are releasing daily episodes Monday through Friday. Conversations with people that are in love with this job. We talk about the highs and the lows and everything in between. But if you're here listening and part of the national fire radio community and you're checking out this podcast, whether it's your first episode or you're all the way in on a hundred and something episodes by now and you're bought into it, we appreciate you. We appreciate you being part of the community and constantly coming back and listening to the podcast. Welcome. Enjoy the word. And for us to be able to do this and deliver this to you every day, we need the help of some sponsors. And these sponsors are partners where we do collaboration work and they allow us to put forth great content with great guests so that we can keep pushing this job forward. So before we hop into the episode, a quick word from some of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Box Alarm Grills. When your apparatus arrives on scene, are you making the best showing? Looking to set your rig apart from everyone else? Want your engine, truck, or rescue to be easily identifiable? There is a solution. With large aluminum grill numbers and full-width rear mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills. Formed by Danny and a team of fellow firefighters, Box Alarm Grills gets it. They know what it means to show pride in your ride, delivering the quality construction and design that fire departments demand. That's why their grill numbers and mud flaps grab attention, enhance visibility, and make your fleet recognizable on scene while responding or just driving around town. Built in the USA by a family-owned business, Box Alarm Grills is quickly becoming the choice of fire companies, apparatus planners, and fire truck manufacturers with out-of-the-box or custom solutions. Check out functional, durable grill numbers and mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills today at boxalarmgrills.com and on Facebook and Instagram. And like Danny and his crew like to say, add pride to your ride. Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his team have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017 with over 200,000 shields in the market. Taylor's Tins is a leader in the American Fire Service helmet front space. Not only do they manufacture helmet fronts, but they do so much more. Locker tags, keychains, CO monitor charts, medical kit charts, pump charts, banquet awards, you name it, they do it. Go over to taylorstins.com and check out what they can offer you today. They've become a longtime sponsor and good friend of the National Fire Radio podcast, and because of that, they offer a promo code at checkout. So when you go to taylorstins.com, Enter NFR sent me, that is NFR sent me, and you'll get 15% off your checked out order. It works on all stock items from Taylorstins.com, including quick tins, license plates, locker tags, and much, much more. Exclusions do apply. This is a company that prides themselves on quality and customer service. From the inception, from your design to out the door, it's within 48 hours. Nobody else is doing that, they can't do that. Forty-eight hours to get your shield out the door, to you to put it on your helmet and get to the next job. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com again. That's taylorstins.com. Check out their latest offerings and use promo code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for fifteen percent off on your checkout. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. National Fire Radio back on the podcast today. Today's going to be a fun one. I'm going to learn just like you all are about LJ Geist, the guy that I've texted with, talked to back and forth a little bit over the last year or two, somebody that popped up on my radar from another podcast that he was on and I was interested in some of the things that he had to say. And so this is a guy that's been 14 years in a career of fire service with garden city, Kansas, riding out of downtown. Number one, he lectures and does hot training regionally and across the country. This guy's making a name for himself and he's starting to do more and more teaching and he loves the fire service and he loves micro conferences and he loves spreading the word LJ. Thanks for joining me, buddy.
1: Hey, it's good to be on here, Jeremy. to finally get to meet you. And, and, uh, we're going to have some good conversation today. It's going to be good.
0: I think so. But we got to start off first. We, we were before, when we, before we hit the record button, we were chatting. I got to get out your way. I haven't yet to be out to that Oklahoma, Kansas area. There's a lot of good coming out of that area. There seems to be a lot of activity um, with training groups, with conferences, with personalities in the fire service. We got Corley out there, right? So what is with this area? Why is it so popular and up and coming in the fire service?
1: You know, I just think that I think that these conferences and even some of these smaller conferences that are popping up, anybody can do it. it. It takes guts to put your name out there and to give it a shot. But people are so willing in the fire service to learn right now. And we're fortunate. You know, I live pretty much in between Denver and Wichita uh, in far western Kansas. You know, we got Wichita hot. You know, we got the, the Wizard of Oz Fools and, you know, Neiman and, I mean, just a bunch of solid dudes down yeah. in Wichita, Sedgwick County area. And then and then you jump down in Oklahoma on I-35 corridor, uh, you've got the Mid-America Fools chapter with Oklahoma City, some of the Tulsa people, and, you know, the Corley Moores, the Justin Lorenzens and um, all these guys, a bunch of dudes from Edmund, I mean, Jeremy Sanders, Justin Mann. This I mean, is all what these I'm guys.
0: Saying. The area is packed.
1: And so they, are, they want to teach the crew to do whatever it takes to make sure that people get better. And, and it's, it's crazy. It's not just in Oklahoma or Kansas, this stuff is popping up. I mean, literally, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. I don't imagine there's probably not a firefighter, volunteer career in this nation that is four hours away from a great conference.
0: Oh, I agree. I say it all the time. I said, draw a circle three hours, draw, where you live, draw a circle three hours around you. And you'll find yep. a good conference at least once, if not twice a year, that you'll be able to attend. And the, beautiful, and the beautiful thing about it is these regional conferences are bringing in the same names that the big national shows bring in at a fraction of the price. And it's a much more intimate setting where I think you get so much more out of the value of the interaction with the hosts and the guests and the speakers and the guys doing the hands-on.
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. And then, you know, for me, I can jump. I can jump west you know, the mile high firefighter conference going on in Denver. And I think it's coming up maybe this spring sometime. And uh, I think, I don't know how long that conference has been going. There's a little department on the East side of Denver. They're putting on a leadership symposium March 4th. And I mean, man, people have got to get to these conferences. If you want to have a long lasting career full of passion, you have got to get to these conferences because what it does for you personally and for your career, um, it's so important. And I just, I can't stress enough the importance of getting to these conferences and meeting people and just building relationships.
0: Yeah. Well, you said something before that piqued my interest. I actually wrote it down right off the bat. You said we have an environment where people are hungry to learn. Has it always been like that? Or is it because the momentum is just picking up speed as the training and micro conference ball keeps rolling down the Hill? Are we just gaining speed and it's getting better and better?
1: Man, I'm going to tell you something, like something that uh, – I don't know if you ever got to meet Kevin Fluger from – he's down around the San Antonio yes, absolutely. area. Okay. He's become a, just a, a brother to me. love the man like crazy, like he's family. He is family to me now. But he said something. He commented on one of my – on something I put up on social media a couple of weeks ago, and he said, it is a great time to be in the American Fire Service. And I don't know what has been going on the past five years, seven, eight, nine years. But the fire service with these trainings, they're picking up momentum. And I think, I think across the board, people are seeing that. Well, let's, let's put it here. I think fire chiefs and company officers, when they see their firefighters going and their company officers going to outside training, they are coming back more passionate and more hungry as individuals, which then makes the team better, which then allows us. To make sure that we fulfill the mission that we took an oath to do, and and I think I think that there's there's so many people that are so hungry to get outside of their department to learn new tactics and to learn new ways of how to genuinely and passionately take care of our people that it is I think Jeremy honestly we're in the very beginning stages of the badassery that's going to take place in the American Fire Service without site training I, that we I, that we get to bring back to our own fire departments and our cities. It's awesome, man. I mean, for people who don't want to do it, you know, when I I don't want to be negative on here, but for people who don't want to to outside training and, and learn new tactics and strategies, man, pack your stuff and get out because there's someone who wants to take your place that is hungry.
0: I just wrote that down, by the way. That was fantastic. How about this, right? So here's – I wrote down the word accountability, right? So as you were talking about how it is exciting and guys are pushing themselves, the badassery of what's happening – I like to think that these conferences, the, the guys and girls that are going to these conferences to better themselves, I think it's twofold. I look at, I look at management, and a lot of people blame management or their bosses, their superiors, their des- the guys that ride desks and not cars, right? Like all those things, right? They're the ones that are holding back this this training culture. But I like to think that what supervisors don't like is when their people are better than they are. A lot of supervisors stop learning and then they stymie the growth of those below them. But when people step out of their own shadows of their department, go learn themselves and bring back some of that excitement, it starts to hold those individuals accountable, even if it's un- informal, even if it's it's not a formal process, but a boss is now seeing excitement it's something new, a new fire or passion within their members because they're pushing themselves because their own people aren't giving it to them. That boss has one deci- two decisions to make. He either has to get on board and better himself so that he can remain the leader of the pack, or he does need to pack up his shit and get out of town because it is infectious. And I believe wholeheartedly the effort that people are putting in to go to these conferences, they need to maintain that effort when they get back in spreading how good that conference was.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And not only how good the conference was, but the good things that they learned. And so here's, here's a conversation that I had and what she just said, Jeremy is 100% on board and it's something that I talk about in my tailboard leadership lecture, if the company officer's passion and energy is not matched by their firefighter's passion and energy, those firefighters will flee. And trust me, good people will flee and they will go find a department and company officers who will match their energy. And so I had this discussion when I was up in Nebraska uh, two or three weeks ago speaking. I think that that firefighters – sorry, my my new – You're fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it.
0: You're good. Um, Don't even
1: worry about it. I, I truly believe that firefighters need to go to two conferences a year outside of their own department because our, our minds are wired in different ways than any other career in this world. And so I say at least two a year, and here's why. So say you go to a spring conference in March or April somewhere. You get fired up. You come back. You've learned – Many great things. You met some great people, built some relationships. You're talking to those people now, whether on a phone call once a month or an occasional text message. Hey, man, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you, brother. I love you. Hope you've been catching some jobs. So, what happens is these pe- we go to these conferences, we come back, we're fired up, we're pumped up, we're ready to go, run through walls. That only lasts for about six months, unless unless something bad happens, a car wreck on Christmas Day that takes the lives of a family with kids, you know, a fatality house fire, something in your personal life that, that can degrade that momentum pretty quickly. That's just human nature, right? So then is what happens. You come into the fall and winter time and you're like, man, you know what? I'm kind of, I'm kind of starting to slide a little bit backwards. We haven't been catching jobs at work. We've been busy doing other stuff. We haven't been able to get to the training grounds and, and stretch line and throw ladders. You need to start looking at going to another conference to really get that to to get that energy and to get that passion built back up to take you into the new year and for another year of being on the job and loving the craft.
0: What? And I don't, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: And so I don't know if that makes any sense to you. No, it does. But, I, but it's That that is it is so important. It is so important that we that we get to one or at least two of those a year.
0: I think that I'm one of the luckiest guys around and I'll tell you why, because I get to go to a lot of these conferences and 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 live that conference life, if you will. Um, and the the problem is for me is I'd love to be able to start doing more of the hands on. The problem is for me is that a lot of my time is spent networking and talking with people and helping behind the scenes or, or creating relationships or speaking or doing all those things. So sometimes it's hard for me to get on the training ground, but I wish I could do more of that. And my goal this year with some of these conferences is to bring my gear with me so that I can get my hands on some of the, some of the equipment out there and, and work with guys and learn that aspect of the conference too. So when I go, I'm not just talking with them outside of the hands-on, but being a part of it and, and, and really diving in to understand what these guys are doing and pushing in those messages. What about the conference for you? Like a lot of times you go to conferences, it like reinforces what we know operationally. It might show you a new technique or a new idea. We might sit through a lecture where it's kind of the same conversation we've heard before, but maybe repackaged a little bit differently with a different perspective or point of view. And then we have the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the events, the lifelong friendships that we make. I know some of my friends today were not my friends five years ago. And these guys are guys that I consider my best friends, my, my group, are people that I didn't know five years ago in my adult life. I'm 46, so at the age of 40, I would say the majority of my great friends are people that I've met within just the last few years in the American Fire Service. And so for you, what part of it about that conference, what is it that gives you that recharge? What is it?
1: You know, I think for me, I'll probably catch some some flack for saying this, (laughs) but... um, for me it is 100 percent about building relationships yes i agree so and and it's man i'm gonna tell you something so i'm in the same boat that you're in right now in the fact that when i go to conferences i'm so busy giving lectures that i don't get to attend a lot of outside training right or or i'm sorry i'm sorry the hands-on training so for instance in december i gotta fly down to san antonio and with and and hang out with Fluger and Matt Valdez and Tom Hollick and a bunch of dudes for an engine ops class for a weekend, and it was so awesome because I built some relationships down there. Um, man, I went to Nebraska. I got to hop on the ship with David Mellon and teach uh, a medical mayday class for an afternoon once I finally got down there. Uh, and and so I got to build those relationships with those students, and and for me, these conferences, man, I, I don't care. What religion you believe in, none of that. We were created to be relational people. We have got to have relationships to live life, right? And so these conferences, man, when you go there and you meet these people, there are so many times, whether negative things going on in the firehouse, um, things going on in your personal life. Man, Jeremy, I've got like 10 guys that are actually mentors of mine and just great friends that I can call those guys and talk to them about anything. And they're not gonna, they're not gonna just they're gonna listen. They are gonna listen, but they're also gonna be very truthful with me. And there's gonna be times that I don't want to hear what they have to say. But they are such solid men and such solid firefighters and company officers that I can lean on them. And the, and 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 they're gonna give me they're gonna give me that they're gonna give me that truth. And uh and I think and I think that we need Go I ahead. think that we need that we yeah. need that, man, yeah, because if we don't have that, then it's like what I just said a little bit ago we can't we can't have a long lasting career full of passion, and so with that being said, too, man, we've got to make sure that we're attending both the hot classes and the lecture classes because it gets it gives us two ways to learn about the fire service and about our craft to make us better
0: it also too for me, right, like the hands on aspect of it, there's nothing like. Learning with other guys because you're going to make mistakes and they're going to make mistakes. And we learn from it uh, from each other. Right. There's a mutual respect that, hey, there's a there's a level of proficiency here. And we like to think that we're holding ourselves to a higher standard, which is fantastic. But there's also that level of like, hey, I just screwed up on that last evolution. And one of the guys is like, hey, man, try it this way you know, do this. And you create that relationship where one, you open yourself up for constructive criticism. And when you work with people from conferences, everybody's there to boost one another up. And so you really don't have to worry about an environment that's looking for you to make a mistake. A lot of times in the volunteer firehouse or in the career firehouses, there's a lot of people that are looking for us to make mistakes and then they want to exploit that, right? And that's part, that's really what's tearing apart a lot of Uh, The job in the firehouses is that there's so much negativity that runs rampant. And as soon as you make an error, you're held so highly accountable for something that's probably so insignificant. But they make it an issue because it gives them a sense of power and feeling and belonging. And it's bullshit. You don't get that at these conferences. These conferences are built by people that want to give more and do more. And with that allows for an environment where you can excel because you can check all the bullshit at the door and you can dial into making yourself better. I agree. Let me ask you this, LJ. Relationships. I find relationships are lacking. And when I go to these conferences, I make such great connections. And I love to introduce new people to new people. I love making that connection. And I love watching the younger generation the next guys that are coming up that are filling the seats. I love to show them these conferences. I love to show them the relationships that I make, the people I get to talk to, the hugs I hand out, the handshakes we give, right? The, the attaboys and the camaraderie, all of it. I think relationships are lacking, and I think we have an obligation just like we do to promote the job We have an obligation, you know, promote the job through training and being better at our craft. We also have the obligation to help build relationships. We have to teach relationships where it used to be more commonplace. Today, we might have to actually take the hand of somebody and introduce them to somebody else and make them have that relationship, make them have that conversation where maybe it was a little more natural years ago, but today we have an obligation as guys that are entrenched in this job and that love it so much. We have to make sure that the the relationship, the camaraderie and the brotherhood of the job remains. And so we have to work harder at making those relationships. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. And I think, I think some of that just might be the, some of the younger people coming in. Um, and it's, and it's talked about across the American fire service about every day, but You know, we, it's easy for the older generations to talk smack on the younger kids coming in and be like, man, these guys, all they do is sit there on their cell phones or all they do is, you know, they do this and they do that and they're not good at their jobs and they can't communicate well and they don't know how to build those relationships. Well, you know what? That's where the guys, man, I'm 40 years old. I'll be 41 in June. That's where guys like you and I, we get to teach these guys something. And even if it's as simple as building a relationship in the firehouse, or taking them to a conference, and helping them build those relationships, Jim, we get to do that, man. Yeah, we do. It's not a got to thing; it's a get to thing.
0: But we don't and have I to do it. We choose to do it. A hundred percent. And we need 100%. more people. And we need more people to believe in that.
1: Yes, yes. And and if we're going to be building relationships, and we're going to be going to these conferences, we need to make sure that these future generations get the same thing that you and i are getting right now because if we if we fail these guys right now jeremy the american fire service is absolutely screwed in the future yeah but and it's and it's guys like you and i that have to humble ourselves and no matter what give people chances and it's tough to do man There, every once in a while we'll get somebody come in and you're just like man how did this person slip through the cracks but as long as they're wearing, their same, wearing the same uniform as you and I, man, we have to make sure we're doing what we can to, to build them up. We and got the, work and to do. We got yeah. work to do. You know, like that,
0: that's the thing because the generation that complains about the next generation is the generation that freaking raised them. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you know, we've those guys created the problem. That senior guy that's pissed off with the new kid, it's his fault. That's what nobody understands. Nobody wants to take responsibility for it. I'm not as hard as I, that my, my parents were hard on me growing up. I'm not that hard on my kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's inevitably happens every generation. So we're creating the next firefighters. We're raising them. We're creating them. And if we don't give them a level of expectation and understanding and belief of what this job is, and that now entitles or that entails operationally, tactics, firefighting, but it also entails cooking, laundry, uh, you know, expectations, making coffee, having a relationship, being able to talk to an individual. I love watching when somebody pulls up on the apron of the firehouse asking for directions. I love to stand there with four other guys and watch who's going to go out and take the initiative to go talk to the public. Yep. I freaking love that because I'm always the guy that is already walking out to the apron when they're pulling up because it's a it's an opportunity to one meet somebody and two yes. it's it's you make an impact on somebody. And so many people shy away from that. So we need to teach That aspect of the job, too. I want to circle back because I I just put something together in my brain, man. You are really bringing out some juices in me today, man. I appreciate this. Um, The conferences, you said how ate up we are right now, how everybody is hungry to learn. I think it has to do with the fact that these conferences are allowing our people to learn in an environment that promotes them and pushes them more than their academy or their job at home. Right. So yeah, talk about
1: conferences. Conferences, the that's crazy you say that. In my opinion, I don't care how big the conference is, how small it is. I don't care if it's ninety percent volunteers, ten percent career. It doesn't matter. The main objective. Let me. I don't. I don't want to say objective. The main missions. The main mission of a conference should be to promote growth. That should be the main mission of a conference is to promote growth. So that when those people leave that conference, whether it's one day or five days of it, they leave that conference more equipped to be able to go to war, to go to the battlefield, and to win the mission at hand. And if that's, your, if, th- if that's not your objective as someone who's putting on a conference, man, you're not doing yourself justice and and you're and you're kind of screwing over the people that are coming to your conference and who's paying that money whether the department pays for it or they pay for it out of pocket
0: yeah but you know those guys aren't going to last and and you know there are there is some of that out there but you know people weed through bullshit very quickly man and there's there's yeah. this you know what i really love is that you can really get a good sense of the conferences that are making an impact and those are the conferences that are doing it for the right reasons And so, you know, there's, everybody wants to, I get messages all the time. Hey, Jeremy, I'm thinking about starting a a conference. We want to do one here, you know, this and that. And I'm like, great. Here's a punch list of things you got to consider, man, because what comes with it and the ability to create and put out a conference is a massive undertaking and nobody really understands until you get in the trenches of it, of what goes into it to make it successful, But the one thing that makes it most successful is that the mission is before anything else. And that the delivery of the content, it doesn't matter if you have the biggest names in the American fire service lecturing and teaching hot or a regional guy that's passionate about the job and has a fair message to share. The intent of the conference is to promote growth. I couldn't agree with you more brother. That is like spot on.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And, and, and a lot of that, a lot of that comes with humility of, of who you're bringing into. And so right now I'm actually getting a conference together in garden city. That'll be the first weekend of June. And, and I can tell you, um, it is a huge, huge undertaking. And I have been very, very, very careful on who I am allowing to come in. It's the very first time this has ever been done in garden city. Yeah. And I have been very careful on who I am allowing to come in to teach hot classes, and to give lectures on Friday because when people show up to Garden City I want them to know that we care about them. We don't want, I don't I don't want you know it's not their money that I just want. I want them to leave number one better firefighters and I want them to leave being better human beings too. Yeah. And so if we if we as a fire service can promote that growth both humanly and on the firefighter level man we're winning. We're winning, and it's no different than in the firehouse too. We've got to teach. We've got to make sure. Here, here's what I say, man. This is one of my favorite quotes. Great human beings make great firefighters, Mm -hmm. because they realize that it is what this job is about. It's not about them. It's not about the human. It's about them, as far as the communities we serve. But this job is about going out. It's about showing up to the firehouse every single day ready to run calls, and ready to make a difference. And sometimes that difference we're making, it's not on the fire ground. It's not on a rescue. Now, we are making a difference, of course. Sometimes the biggest differences that we might make in a 24-hour period at the firehouse are the people that we get to serve with. And if if we don't humble ourselves and check our egos at the door, then we are failing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What are you, hammering something?
1: No, I'm outside. It's my neighbors.
0: <laughs> what are you pacing back and forth? That's what I love about how we do this show is I talk to guys all over. They're sitting in their car. They're pacing in their backyard. They're taking their dog for a walk. I love it, man. I absolutely love it because it makes it real. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anderson Rescue Solutions. Anderson Rescue Solutions was founded in 2016 by former Philadelphia firefighter Tim Anderson. As an urban firefighter and rescue specialist, Tim found that the equipment available to him lacked the usability and practicality in complex, high-stress environments that rescuers often found themselves in. To combat this, he developed products based on his own experiences in the field, creating innovative, efficient gear designed to thrive in reality. The multi-loop rescue strap is a perfect example of one of these products. Made in America, This patented tool is used for rapidly harnessing firefighters or civilians in the worst conditions. Every feature is fine-tuned to meet the needs of rescuers battling low visibility, low dexterity, and high stress. The multi-loop rescue strap has been used in numerous real-world rescues for both firefighters and civilians. All across the country, and it is being increasingly adopted by fire, rescue, and tactical agencies as standard issue equipment. I carry one. I have carried one for many years. It is the most versatile strap out there. Check it out. The multi-loop rescue strap by Anderson Rescue Solutions. Tim Anderson, the owner and proprietor of Anderson Rescue Solutions, has become a dear friend. In fact, he's even been on the podcast several episodes ago. Dropped incredible information. He's super passionate about the fire service, about special operations, and he has built an incredible company and an incredible product. So because of our great relationship with Tim and Anderson Rescue Solutions, if you go to andersonrescue.com, You'll get 10% off if you use the promo code NFR2023. That's NFR2023 at checkout on AndersonRescue.com. You'll get 10% off your order. And do me a favor go over to their social media and check out Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for weekly news, product info, and other content in regards to Anderson Rescue Solutions. This episode's brought to you by Flame Decon. Developed specifically for firefighter decon, flame shampoo, body wash and soaps reduce your risk of getting occupational cancer. Live fire testing shows that carcinogens on your skin after a fire are removed and undetectable after using flame. Flame decon has made a product that not only does its job and does it well, but that you'll enjoy using. They smell amazing, they make your skin and hair feel great I will be an absolute witness to that. I have used the product. Tara and I have known each other for quite some time. She has sent us product. We have used it, and it does take that smell of soot and smoke off of you immediately following a shower. It makes a difference. You can find Flame Decon products at flamedecon.com and use promo code NFR for 15% off your first order. That's promo code NFR for 15% off your first order at flamedecon.com. And for departments that are interested in departmental orders, more than one or two pieces of product, you can reach out to Tara directly at tara at flamedecon.com. She's happy to entertain any inquiries that you have. And this made me think departments need to protect their own and protecting our own is also after the fire. Chiefs, purchasing managers, look into Flame Decon as a way of protecting our firefighters in and out of the firehouse. So check out Flame Decon at flamedecon.com. Use promo code NFR for 15% off your first order. Where does this come from, from you? Like you, you're you giving so much back. Like you, you believe in the mission. Where does it come from? Like, can you trace this back to why... You're so bought in. Why do you love this job so much that you feel that you need to pass it forward?
1: Well, I can – that's a good question, man. I'll start it out by saying this. I think it's how I was raised. Um, I was raised in a very good home, great mom and dad. um, they, they, They always put family first, and family is so, so big to me, so big to me. So I was raised in a very humble, um, a very humble home. You've got to have a great work ethic, and no matter what, you love people. Yeah, you love you love people no matter what. You love them, and so jump. You know, fast forward to becoming a volunteer firefighter, dude. It happened by accident. I wanted to be a Kansas State trooper my whole life, and this whole fire department deal, being a firefighter, actually happened over a cup of coffee.
0: No kidding. And
1: I, and i'm so glad that it did tell me about and that so
0: how, what do you mean so how, how did it happen over a cup of coffee
1: so uh i was living in a little town i was working in the oil field in oklahoma and a guy that he eventually just became another grandpa for my kids uh it was a little town about 500 550 people and he called me one saturday morning said hey meet me down at the coffee shop let's have a cup of coffee together and he was a volunteer and and he said hey uh he said, "Have you ever thought about becoming a volunteer for Hammond?" And I said, "No." And he goes, "Man, we need some people." And he goes, I, "He goes, I think you you got to go out and fill out an application and and jump on board with us." And dude, the rest is history. I mean, it literally that's how it went. Huh. I mean, I think that I think that conversation was in early December and in January of two thousand nine. I'm going on my first grass fire, and so uh, it just that's how it happened, man. It was that simple. Sure. And within within a year of being a volunteer, I thought, you know what, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life.
0: Did you find that it paralleled your upbringing? You talk about living in a humble, really, really well put together family oriented home where I'm sure vet morals, ethics and values were at the forefront. And so did you find like commonality right away? Like when you walk through the door at the firehouse, you were like, man, this, this makes sense to me.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I knew, man, those guys accepted me. And, You know what, man, they, they, that little volunteer fire department, they are the reason that I wanted to go a career. Yeah, it's cool. 100%. And, oh, without a doubt, man, yeah, they, my upbringing and, man, we, dang, Jeremy, we, we get to go help people. There, there is no other calling greater in life than the calling of service and, and getting to serve people. Yeah. And. Man, that all started back in two thousand nine and I call it a little honky tonk fire department. Because <laughs> we had one old old ass engine and a bunch of brush rigs, man. We just did grass fires mainly in wrecks.
0: Yeah, but LJ, that's what that we did. that is that's 70% of the American fire service. And that's to me so important to recognize is that we get so caught up on urban firefighting, suburban and urban, but that rural setting, that small town USA makes up the majority of the American fire service.
1: It does. And you know what? That, man, that conference I went to in Nebraska was mainly volunteers. Jeremy, I have never seen a group of students, whether at the hot class or in my lectures, that were so damn hungry. Yeah, Dude, it was incredible, man. There's some big things happening in Nebraska, dude. It's freaking crazy, and I love it. But So, to to answer your question, before we get too much in a rabbit hole, so um, as I started growing in my fire career, and I've worked at some different firehouses... Um, I eventually, so I had a captain and a lieutenant that were just amazing men and they freaking love the job. They were blue collar firemen that, that got my passion rolling. And then the next thing I know, I started going to these conferences and I met Justin Lorenz and I, Justin Lorenz and I, we actually met on Facebook as goofy as that sounds. I tell people that story and they start laughing. we never met each other in person until FDIC. Wow, and okay. so Justin and I met. And we became good friends. And then a year later, man, him and I are sitting there talking on the phone about leadership one day. And he goes, and he's like, hey, man, um, there's a conference coming up down in Oklahoma City. And I'm going to put your name down to come lecture. And I'm like, wait a minute, Justin. Whoa, you need to slow your roll a little bit. Uh, this isn't me, man. He goes, well, you better get a PowerPoint put together because you're going to come <laughs> down and lecture. I love that. And so I started going to these conferences and I just started meeting these people. And You know, the Justins, the David Mellons, and, you know, the Justin Manns and Jeremy Sanders and all these people. And I've surrounded myself with these people, and it has allowed me to, it has allowed me to love this job and to want to be better at it and not only better myself, but to better those that I serve with. And And it's just, man, it's made a huge difference.
0: Yeah. And it should be recognized too, because you're doing the same thing for guys like that. Right. Like yeah. it's it's a trade off. Right. As much as they're giving you so much back, you're giving it to them by pushing it forward. And and that's what matters to me. It's that it's that relationship. And it's that and it is that simple. Like I, we talk about this a lot. I'd love your take on it. But like people are struggling. And they're looking for something more. And the conferences certainly can do that. But not everybody has an extra two, three, four, five hundred dollars for a weekend away or a weekend to go to training. And so people people just don't have the means sometimes to do that. But what they do have is what everybody has at their fingertips, and that's that cell phone and that computer. And this is where social media and this is where the internet can connect you to anyone. You said that you found some lifelong friends on Facebook because they probably were like-minded. Something of theirs caught your attention and you dove in and you made that opportunity to make a connection. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about building relationships. It doesn't have to be just at the conference at the bar after that night or while you're sitting in class, asking a guy for an extra piece of paper to make some notes on. Right. And you strike up a conversation. It can also be reaching out to people in places that you have to go look for somebody that can help make you better. Like that exists. And, and we didn't have that years ago. And so the generations of today know, and that's all they know you and I, are you're even younger than me, man. You got six years on you, which is considerably different in the world of the internet, right? My first email address was my freshman year of college, 1995, <laughs> right? So like people that are younger than me came up through high school with the internet, right? And, and with yep. email addresses, I didn't, right? I, I started college with my first email address. So even that difference between 46 and 40, there's a considerable difference. And as the age and, and technology has ticked on, we have generations today that that's all they know, and so we don't want to vilify that type of relation. Go find people on social media that represent who you think you are or what you want to learn. Go find like-minded people that push you forward. People are hungry to make connections. What are your thoughts yes.
1: on that, man? You know, we can people can talk smack on the internet and social media all they want, but what it what it has done for the fire the majority of what social media and the internet has done for the fire service has been pretty amazing. There's plenty of armchair quarterbacks out there. 100%. I mean, every time, you know, every time you somebody posts something about a job they went to, there's the first five comments, there's going to be some peckerhead head that just thinks he knows it all. It's like, dude, you live 19 hours away from there, you know, but overall social media and the internet has done some amazing things because for the fire service, because we have been able to make those connections. And, and I think guys like you and I, we're a little bit more fortunate because we get to go to a bunch of conferences that we get to expand those relationships in person. Not everybody, like you said, has that opportunity. And so for, for people who don't have that opportunity, it is okay to build those relationships. And, and if you get to a point, man, I can tell you, I don't know that there's one person, I I Facebook message some people um, regarding some posts they've put up, whether it's about a tactic they used on the fire ground or you know, a tactic or strategy they used uh, on a rescue that they put some photos up of. Man, I have actually Facebook messaged people asking. I bet 90% of the time they send me their phone number back and they're like, hey, man, won't you just give me a call and I'll explain to you on the phone why, why we did what It's we huge. Did. Yep. And bam, you know what? The next thing I know, I'm on a two-hour phone call conversation with these people learning something. Yep.
0: 100%. And,
1: and it's amazing. There, There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. If that's how you build your relationships and how you connect with people, getting in the fire service, man, good for you. You're making, you're doing something more than what a lot of people don't even have the heart to get to even try.
0: LJ, I run, a, I have a podcast. I do five episodes a week. I mean, I don't know all the like you and I. It was basically like a cold call. I was like, hey, man. I follow you. I know who you are. Like, I'd love to have you on the show. Do you have any interest? And then we start a conversation. Like, yep. salesmanship is important. You have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to get knocked down or to send a message to somebody and not get a reply. I think we worry so much about the, I don't know, we, we worry so much about the big picture when, in fact, most of the world is going to tell you no. And most of the things you try in the world are going to tell you you did it wrong and you need to do better next time. And we need to learn from that. So reach out. Don't be afraid to try to make a connection. Send somebody a direct message. Text somebody that you don't know if you get a number. Somebody that you think could be important to you that shares beliefs and values. Don't be afraid to reach out because I can assure you for every no, there's going to be 10 yeses hundred percent. And it could change, yeah. it could change your tra- trajectory, man. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's good
1: stuff. Jeremy. I, I couldn't have said that any better.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I get paid the big bucks here, LJ. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't trust me. There's no big bucks to be had. So listen, you are, you, um, so you're speaking now you're doing a couple speaking engagements. I know you mentioned you have a couple coming up, um, and the humbleness of that, right. To be asked to go from a student to a person that is asked to stand in front of the room to share your experience and knowledge and interpretations of the job what does that mean to you
1: you know it's every time a phone call comes in or a facebook message or text message asking me if i'd be interested to in come to a conference it uh it, it makes me it makes me proud and and it does it humbles me to the core that someone would be willing to allow some knucklehead from Western Kansas to, to come to their conference and for them to give, for them to, to allow me to, to be a part of that conference. That's, that's huge. And, and man, I just, I am, I'm beyond thankful, beyond thankful. I'm so grateful that people would consider me and, and it's not something I take lightly. Um, you know, when you when when you put these PowerPoints together in these lectures, I have put hours upon hours into my PowerPoint and and into these lectures to make sure that I'm drawing people in, and and there's so many times in my in my lectures that um, I share a lot of personal experience and a lot of personal things about my life in these lectures, and I think when I do that, it, it just draws people in because they're not like. Well, it's some knucklehead up here that's just going to sit up here and talk about informal and formal leadership the whole time. It's not that at all. It's a very engaged, you know, my four-hour lectures, out of that four hours, there's probably an hour total that the people in the room are teaching me something because it's such an interactive lecture. And And I think that is what has really just allowed me to be able to go to more and more conferences is that humility. And I tell people when I get up there, I say, you know what? I may be the one up here giving the lecture, but I'm still a student of the craft when I'm up here speaking. And I want to learn something about each of you. And I want you to teach me something today while I'm teaching you. And I think when you go in there with that humility, it just draws people in right away. Yeah. And and the fact that people are asking me to come to these conferences, man, I to be honest with you, Jeremy, 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago. I never dreamed that I'd be doing this. Yeah, but I but I'm so thankful for, it and I'm having a blast.
0: How can you not like you? That's that's something I think we're missing too. Right? Is like we're not talking about the fact that we're supposed to be enjoying this. I mean, I know it's a job, whether career or volunteer, it's a job, and I get that. But man, this job is fun. Like we we can't lose sight of the enjoyment and the fulfillment that what we do does for us. Right. Because I believe that most of us have gotten into this, whether career or volunteer, because it's it's something they fell in love with. They either grew up with it or they fell into it and they've come to realize how good it is. And then over time we can get jaded. But I think when everybody comes in from the greenest firefighter candidate to a third generation, fifth generation firefighter, we come into it open minded and excited and fall in love with it. And then it comes down to how do we maintain our love and continue to grow our relationship with the fire service because it is a relationship, right? And so, yes. speak about that a little bit, man. Just that, like falling in love with it and pushing yourself to remain in love with it because we all get tested. Trust me, I go, I have ups and downs all the time with my firehouse. There's nights I come home from it pissed off and upset about something that happened or went down or we didn't perform as well as we should or we're not addressing some issues that need to be tackled or there's a leadership problem or a rank and file problem, right? There's all these things. So the, it it certainly ebbs and flows. It's a relationship, but how important is it to maintain and continue to love it?
1: Well, that some of that, some of that you have to, you have to take in personally. And, and when I say, when you, when you have to take that in personally, Whenever the BS and the politics of the firehouse start taking shape and it starts running you down, there comes a t- there comes a point in time where you've got to you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and you've got to say, you know what? This job is far greater and it's way more important than the BS and the politics that are going on right now. Yeah. And you've also got to look in the mirror and you've got to say, you know what, I've got nine other guys on my shift at my firehouse that are dependent on me, and we've got a whole city. And county full of people who pay my wages with their tax dollars every single day that are counting on me to show up and do my best on their worst day. And, and I think if we're, I think if we're really, I think if we're really going to be able to love this job and like it and want to do it for 20, 30, 35 years, you've got to check your ego and you've got to remain humble because You've probably heard this saying before, but there's two types of firefighters in this world, those who are humble and those who are about to be. Mm. And you do not, and I repeat, you do not want to make this job have to humble you because if you do, it's typically a bad situation when that happens. Yeah. I'm, and so if, yeah. We, if we can remain humble and we can love our people we serve with, look past our indifferences, look past whatever is going on, that is how you remain in love with this craft
0: takes a level head. It takes somebody that has to remember the foundation of which and why they started. Right. Because we, we can become skewed pretty quick, right? As soon as somebody has it out for you, or you have a, you butt heads or you have an incompetent leader, man. Like I think, you know, you, you said it earlier, great humans. Wait. So it says great humans, uh, great human beings, make great firefighters. You said that before. I wrote it down. I just couldn't yep. read my own handwriting, right? Which is a great quote. But that goes to how we how we deal with adversity, how we deal with the issues in front of us. And when the negativity starts to pop up, it's how we as a person can internalize that and turn it into something positive so it doesn't jade us about the job. Because too often in the volunteer and the career houses, uh, it becomes about us over time. And we lose we lose the idea that we're we're there for them. I, I I don't enjoy saying that. Trust me. I I wish I could come up with a, a better way to say that. But like inherently, that's just what this job is. It's we're there for for them, the people that we serve, the municipalities and guests to our municipalities and all that. That's and that should just be said. We shouldn't even have to spell that out, right? And so yep. like we lose sight of that, and the job then becomes about us. Me, 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 instead of they, 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 right? And percent. And that is, that's the hard part. That is people that are going to listen to this podcast. Today, there's a lot of great stuff coming for this episode, by the way, but this conversation right now, everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about because we went from I'm there because I love it and it's pushing me personally. That's the take I get, but I'm there because I'm service, providing a service and I want to be there and I want to do more and be better. And then all of a sudden, one or two things pop up and it changes our outlook. And when our outlook changes, man, it is hard to get back on track. And before you know it, we're there for myself, you're there for you, and you're not really there for them or the department or the company or the community. And that we have to do a better job at.
1: And that's tough. I mean, you you wouldn't think you would be as adults, but it is so tough when that happens. And that's, and that's just what I talked about, kind of what you hit on a little bit ago, too. But, man, we've got to be willing to look in the mirror and say, is this really the person that I am? Is this really man. the person that signed up to do this job? Man, I'll tell you this. I, a couple times a year, I get to go to the middle school where my kids go to school at um, and talk to her career class. And, and I love going to schools. I love being with the kids. Like, besides fire – and my guys that I serve with, going to schools and being around kids is probably my favorite thing in the world. It's cool w- with the job, but yep, I went in there last uh, October before I, the day before I went to uh, to Arkansas to go speak there with Ron McCormick and all them awesome guys there. I was I got to the school about thirty minutes early, so when you know they were going from class to class, I'd get to give some high fives to the kids, and I coach a lot of these kids in football and baseball. But there is a sign that was hanging on the wall in the kids' middle school. And it said, you can do one of two things. You can contri- you can contribute or you can contaminate. And I thought, I seen that sign and I took a picture of it. And I'm like, this sign needs to be in every single firehouse across our nation. Say it one more time. You can either, you can do one of two things. You can contribute or you can contaminate. And I thought, this sign is in a middle school full of kids. When, air, when this sign should be hanging on in inside every firehouse across our nation, because that kind of goes with what you and I are talking about Hell right now. When, yeah. when, when, when the, when the, when the politics and the bullshit of the fire service come about, are we going to allow that to contaminate? Got a boy. Are we going to allow? Are we going to allow that to contaminate us, which then contaminates the culture? Or can we take a deep breath, realize why we're in that freaking firehouse in the first place and go contribute in the best way possible to make sure that our companies are the best men and women possible. Yeah. And man, when I seen that sign, it just completely blew me away. Probably one of the best quotes that I've seen probably ever. And I don't know where it came from, who came up with it. It wasn't a name with it, I don't think, but Man, you either contribute or you contaminate. It, it should, the choice is yours.
0: I love it. I, like I absolutely love that. And in fact, I have a. Uh, I'm speaking this Friday night at a conference in Maine, and I am. I'll give you all the credit in the world and tell the story of how I learned this saying. But this is going to be its own slide within my program. So sorry, man, I'm stealing this from you. I'll, but I'll, I'll send
1: you the picture but,
0: of it. Oh, that would be huge! And then I will yep. give you all the credit in the world on this oh. because I think. No, it ain't me. Brother, yeah, but here's the thing, right? It resonated with you. And then you yep. you can build out a whole conversation around that. And it just has such a nice delivery. It's such a impactful <laughs> sentence, man. It's, it's, yeah. it's hugely true, hugely true. So talk to me. You said you got nine other guys in the firehouse with you, I think you said before, right? And yep. so um, what does that look like? You said, uh, I want to just change gears a little bit because the clock is ticking on this episode, man. Um, Changing gears just a little bit. Leadership. I know you speak a lot about leadership. Uh, I know we were chatting before we hit the record button that you were talking about. There's days that you ride up. There's days that you drive. There's days that you ride backwards. Mm -hmm. All of that. You get the ability to do it all still. That's fantastic, right? Like I I love being able to have those options where you're not stuck in one role, right? And so when you were asked to sit up or act up, if you will, what does that mean to you? And then how do, you, how do you conduct yourself? And, and I, it's kind of a weird way to phrase it, but like, obviously, with how in tune you are and how much you like to promote the job and the betterment of the job and, and so on, you, I would think, are a pretty dynamic guy that can probably get the juices flowing. But I'm sure you get pushed back at times, too, just like every other department. And I'm not putting you or your department in the spotlight, but I'm just saying, like, how do you deal with when you're asked to ride up? What does that look like for you?
1: It's, it's crazy how your mind thinks differently. So, you know, when I'm driving, you know, my first and foremost, it's getting to the job safely. Sure. As quickly and effectively and as safely as possible. And so, you know, when you're in the backseat, you know, if I'm around the backseat of the engine company, we're going to a job, you know, my whole my whole mindset is if the fire's on my side, I've got the nozzle. I need to get there, get it stretched when my boss it tells me to get messed up quick, because water saves lives. Second saves lives in our career. But then you jump up to the to the acting, you know, going from the informal role to fulfilling a former role, whether it be a shift, a whole tour, whatever it might be, all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I could I got a driver I gotta worry about and i have up to two or three guys in the back seat that i have to worry about that every one of those guys has a family they want to go home to tomorrow mm. and so the decisions that i make i've got to stick with them and i got to know that at that time that decision i made was the best thing my guys my guys if i'm riding that seat they should never have to question what i tell them to do and and it's not that Man, I'm learning, Jeremy. There, I don't know it all. I never have. I never will. But that is such a learning opportunity. And here, here's an example, man. We have a hotel, and it's a newer hotel. We're running alarms there all the freaking time. And it's actually in another firehouses district, but we take a, a tower and an engine company out there. We had – it would have been the last time that I acted up, and we caught – it was an alarm. We got canceled halfway there. I got back and I looked at from the time that we got dispatched till the time we were rolling out the doors in route. It was like, a, it was like a minute, and one second. I mean, we got bunked out and got on the rig and got out quick. I went to those guys we're all sitting around Garrett eat dinner. And I said, guys, I know that I'm not the lieutenant of this shift, but I said, I want each and every one of you to know that we made it out in like a minute, one second. And I said, we probably had a pretty good idea that it was a false alarm. But I said the fact that when that tone dropped, we all ran like a herd of buffalo out to our rigs, got our shit on, took it serious in case it was something. That to me shows that you got – that you that that this craft in our city matters to you guys. And I said, you have no idea – you have no idea how much I appreciate your hustle and the love that you have for this job. And you know what? Yeah, I, I, I didn't need to say that too. No, you didn't. Know.
0: And I was going to say that. You know, you you but, didn't have to. Go ahead. But that affirmation mm-hmm. and that
1: confidence in me acting up, they knew. They knew. Just you know, love you, sis. Have fun. Okay. Um, they. It's okay for us to say that to each other sometimes. It's man. It's so easy to sit around the fire department and sit inside the firehouse and just be negative all the time. Yep. But man, when you when you give those words of positivity to one another, it it just builds a culture and it makes that culture so much more fun to be around.
0: I love guys that recognize the importance of an boy just out of left field, right? Like yeah. you didn't, you didn't have to say anything about turning out quickly. Like, you know, and, and the fact that they did that just speaks to the culture that you have there, but you didn't need to recognize them. especially as a guy that's just filling in for the tour, you didn't need to you didn't need to do that but what what that takes is two things one it takes you the leader at that moment to recognize that that's an important that's just a little bit of an important thing of the day and and I'd love to let them know what that means and looks like and how important that is so you take that initiative to say it right you recognize the importance of that and take that initiative and then the other thing is those guys are like what like that's cool. Like, okay, man. Like the next one, they're gonna hustle and try to beat one on one. You know, yeah, hundred like, percent. And so you, it's it's just. And I think the 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 fundamentals of this really is a, a person, whether it's the boss, a senior man, or the junior guy, has the ability to recognize a moment in time where he can add value. It's finding your place and understanding how to add value. And for you, making a quick 20-second comment about how they turned out for a bullshit alarm can have an incredible impact. The impact that that would have over what it took you to say it is like a hundredfold, right? And so yes. it's, it's huge. But we need we need people to be able to recognize the importance of that.
1: Yep. Yeah. And it's, man, I, and i Jeremy, I'm one of them guys. I don't need an attaboy all the time. And, and I think the majority of the American Fire Service, we don't. But on occasion, when you, no matter what rank you're in, man, just that 5, 10, 15, 20 second word of encouragement to somebody, whether it's about bunking out quick, getting out of the house quick, whether it's on the training ground, you know, they threw a hell of a ladder to the Division two, or whether they got a hose line stretch, or whatever it is man, sometimes those positive words of encouragement can completely change somebody's mindset. And not just for that day, but for their entire career. And and it it comes back, Jeremy, is what it comes back to. It's about building relationships. It's about giving a shit about the people you serve with, and it's about loving them through the goods, the bads, the failures, uh, the successes, everything. It's about building that relationship with your people because if you want to have an intact company, that serve one another at all levels inside the firehouse and outside the firehouse. If we are not building those relationships, we will never have a tight knit company that is going to serve the people to the best of our abilities.
0: Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. What a great conversation today, brother. 55 minutes we've been going already. It goes it quick, man. Like I know it goes quick, but it, I, I think brother, we unpacked a lot of good stuff here. I mean, and, and just, to hear your passion, and I know you're just getting going, which is exciting. Like, I love watching who the next school of guys are that are coming up. And, and as you said right now, people are hungry to learn. The micro conferences are on fire. And I think that that, to me, is just a real indication of who the next school of guys coming up will be that are going to help propel, you know, propel this job forward. And I like to think that you're going to be one of those guys, man. And I think that you're on the right path and your love for the job, the people you surround yourself with, and the ability to get out and push yourself to teach and spread the good word. It all matters, man. And it all adds to the greater good. And, uh, and that's exactly what you were talking about today for the last hour. So LJ, thank you, man. I what a, what a great episode today with you. I truly appreciate you spending some time with me today, man, and just learning a little bit about you and, uh, and so on. I'm looking forward to uh, our paths crossing
1: absolutely jeremy thank you so much and uh look forward to getting to meet you in person one of these days and and uh have some more good conversations. i gotta get
0: out your way man just to round back to where we started with this whole conversation i gotta get out that way there's a lot happening in your corner of the world and i want to be a front i want to be somebody in the front row to see really what's happening out there um and i'm hoping to get out there uh very very soon so Brother, thank you for some time today, man. Appreciate you, and I appreciate you loving the job. Uh, people want to reach out. Where can they find you if they want to reach out to you? Where can they find you?
1: Uh, of course, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if, uh, if they want to direct message me on either one of those places, I can get my contact information, and, cool. and we can go from there.
0: That's great. And it should be said, we talked about it before in, the, in this conversation earlier, don't be afraid to send a message. Don't be afraid to reach out because it can change your trajectory in the job. It could change your life. You could make lifelong friends. I've done it. LJ's doing it. Reach out to people and make a connection. LJ Geist, thank you, brother, for joining me today, man. Appreciate you. You bet. You bet. Cool. Stay right where you are. I'm just going to sign off the show, and I'll come right back, all right? Yeah. Cool. Everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. LJ Geist, 14 years in the fire service, Garden City, Kansas, loving everything about the job and pushing the job forward the theme of today you can contribute or you can contaminate take that marinate on that and then go talk about it because when we talk about the job we are making the job better we'll see you at the next one thanks for tuning in jeremy national fire radio national fire radio